If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to the Unsung Podcast, where we talk about classic albums and decide if they deserve that distinction. And we also talk about some unsung classics in the hopes of bringing them to a new audience. And at the end of it all, we let you decide if we are right or wrong. This is the Unsung Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Fraser, otherwise known as The Curator, and I'm joined on my left and right by two lovely outlandish fellows. Uh, on my left is Chris Cusack, who's once voted Scotland's 11th most eligible man. <laughs> uh, and he's also only the third Brit to... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Follow through, follow through to like uh, you finish a sentence. Yeah, only the third uh, Brit to ever... Um, Traverse the Atlantic in a submersible <laughs> by a steam-powered submersible. Interesting fact, uh, the ten sexiest men that finished above me were all Simon from Biffy. <laughs> <laughs> was it like every single stage of tattoos and hair? It was just Simon uh, and his ten different angles that he takes in photos. Just like running really fast. Yeah, one each, which, yeah, I didn't stand a chance, to be perfectly honest. Actually, number 12 was him as well, but he wasn't facing the right way. <laughs> <laughs> At least I'm sexy on the back of Simon Neal <laughs> And even then But um, I and uh, to my right is David Weaver A man who often takes shirts back to shops Because they're not pastel enough <laughs> That's true <laughs> Photo of pastel shirt coming on Instagram Sometime in the near future <laughs> It's very light But yet not it's light enough <laughs> So yeah, that's that's all I've got. That's, that, that's, 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 that's your whack. Okay. I feel I used some of my time making fun of Simon Neil, which I feel okay about. <laughs> I can deal with that. We have spoken and we voted that the remote part was not a classic record and the public agree with us. So that does not go into our discography of amazing records. And I think we all think that's a great idea. <laughs> Cheers, guys. This episode, we are talking about 
Jane Doe by the band Converge. Who chose this record? Did we chose this? Again, I think this was actually pretty much a consensus record. There's, yeah, I think this there, is one of the ones that we all had on our top ten. Okay. Um, who wants to kick us off then as to why this record definitely deserves to go in a discography of amazing albums? Mark, I think you should because I know you have conflicted emotions about it as well. I'll start off by saying what I think is the most obvious thing. The elephant in the room is this their album is phenomenal. This is a, a, a towering work of... Musical genius, I guess, and I don't even. That's I'll, more like the elephant hosting the party. That's <laughs> like the oh. elephant that's going around making sure everyone's got drinks, has made the food, has tidied up. That's that's that elephant is not standing quietly in the corner. That's, not anymore because he's just told everybody what he's thinking. That's why we're there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's another elephant in the room. In fact, there's probably about another eight elephants in the room. There are many well. other elephants yeah. in the room, but I don't think this record should go into the, the discography of classic records because I don't think it's the best record, but. If I went in, I don't think I'd be too bothered anyway. Because it's still a fucking good record. This is going to lead to like some kind of like deep, insightful debate on whether or not we're voting for subjective best or subjective most important. This is the most important Converge record. I don't think yeah, anybody, so I don't anybody think you can, can contest that. that. That's yeah, can contest that, no. Because like I said before we started recording, Ben Collar's a game changer for Converge. Like, the drumming is just... Yeah, but Nate, Nate came in here as well. The same album. Did he? Yeah, both this album's the first appearance of Nate and Ben. Yeah. Everything on this everything on this record works. There's not a bad song on it. There's not a bad sound on it, I don't think. Um the mix, the production. Oh, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, all of it's great. But let's talk about why that is the case. Well, this is their fourth album. Yeah. Um and it was a pretty substantial lineup change with just uh Kurt and Jacob. Um who from the current lineup and the original lineup. There was also a guitarist in this one called uh, Aaron Dalbeck, who I have to admit, I didn't actually know that. Uh, There's two guitars in this record. Yeah, I consider myself a big Converge fan. This is a five-piece album. I did not know that I until know that I properly started looking into this. Um, but yeah, this is this has got layered guitar in it in a way that the other ones, well, they presumably have layered guitar, but it's probably all done by Kurt now. So, mm-hmm. um, But yeah, this was, this was Aaron's last record. I believe he left shortly after. Uh, he's also, uh, by the way, in the band Bane. Ah, okay. And I think Bane at the time was uh, something of a side project, but he left to sort of do more with that. As to how mutual that was, I was not able to establish. And Bane no longer exists. Had the last show last year. Had it on Is that this year, Last year, yeah. Mm. I never saw Bane nor spent much time in them. But old, I might, I might give it a hardcore band. Like. Yeah, well, that's, that's that's the impression I got. Yeah. Yeah, I think you can tell the the change in Converge here was before this. They were a hardcore band. No, a metalcore band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They definitely had metal influences. They were a hardcore band, hardcore kids into them. This album is just a massive exploration of sonics. It's you know, it's progressive. It's you know, it's doom. It's sludge. It's everything else. And that's yeah, that's why it's definitely. I think we've all agreed already that it's the most important Converge album. Yeah, but you should probably a massive step forward for them. It's probably worth mentioning as well that. Unlike many of the records that we'll talk about uh, in the course of this, like this is actually this album has a lot of accolades as it is, you know. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about albums that maybe were never hailed as genuine classics, and I suppose we're talking in the bigger sense, you mm-hmm. know, in the global sense. Yeah, this is never up there with, you know, some of the best like Chris Rea. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's actually, Chris Rea was the first album that we ever had in the house on CD when we first got a CD player in like 1990 or something in the house. Chris Rea Auberge was the first album. <laughs> Auberge. Auberge. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll always have a <laughs> slight soft spot in my um, heart for Chris Rea. But, so you know. given that it's not quite up to Chris Rea's standards, it still does bloody well. Well yeah, done, lads. Quite Good often try. gets voted, you know, top, you well, know, top three. Terrorizer, list. Terrorizer album of the year, two thousand and one. Yeah. Uh, Rock Sound, I think, said it was like the game changer for heavy music, and, uh, and it was. Decibel magazine put it as the best album, of the two, best metal album of the two thousands, something like that. So it's 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 a it's all for, I, an acclaimed was, record. It's up there with um, Macedon, a uh, Leviathan. It's way better than that. No, but in terms of uh, lists that come out from... Oh, no, no, I know. Stuff I, like, I mean, that, I'm just uh, from my And then, uh, what else? Like, uh, Oceanic by Isis. Um, like, it's just one of those... It is a standard classic mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, alternative Modern music. alternative heavy metal or modern alternative hardcore, whatever kind of strange tag you want to give it. I'd argue they're still a metalcore band on this record. There's so many Swedish death metal guitars in this album, it's not even funny. Mm. Maybe that's, oh, I mean, maybe yeah, that's the influence of Aaron. definitely metal though. and they're hardcore, but I think they're more than that as well. Yeah, definitely. There is more on this record than, than just metal. They've, they've had yeah. some funny arcs, though. I mean, I mean, I think maybe maybe that's partly down to that boy Aaron being in the band mm-hmm. still at this point. But then you've got that thing, you know, where like Dark Horse and, uh, you know, brings in the kind of tapping sort of really cheesy, almost Maiden-esque sort of stuff. So, the, the, yeah, I think they like, uh, what's the word? They like their like little dalliance with the... the with cliches, it's almost you know like a, a nod and a wink, and there's a fair amount of irony in the way they kind of sprinkle those about, and then almost deliberately subvert them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like here's a trope, and here's a trope used in a way that you've maybe never heard it before. Yeah. And this album kind of does a hell of a lot of that. Yeah, there's definitely we'll get into it in a minute, but there's definitely at the gates riffs on this record which are <laughs> like warped into like something completely different. Like it, it's it's remarkable. I think I think like without. Breaking it down track by track, quite, quite, yeah. I think it, this is the first album I noticed where Converge started to have crossover appeal with the Jesus Lizard fans and the Noise Rock fans. And Converge now are sort of distinct amongst the kind of metal and hardcore uh, genre for the fact that they have so much crossover appeal into, you know, for want of a better phrase, some of the kind of more hipster kind of scenes, you know, like some of the that, that kind of ironic, uh, mathy. Hardcore that was wasn't really coming from a place of genuine hardcore. It was coming from almost working backwards from the art school. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, certainly in Glasgow, you had that coming from. And this is in no way a criticism of it, but uh, you know, bands like Ultimate Thrush, who were not coming up through the punk and hardcore scene, they were actually working backwards to that from being in an art rock scene. And you had bands like Take a Worm for a Walk Week, who were a bit of both. And you know, Salvo. we've I'm sure every town, every city had had a similar equivalent and. Converge were one of the bands that I think kind of enabled that. They 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 sort of they formed a bit of a bridge between noise rock and Jesus Lizard and Unsane and Cherubs and all these kind of really scuzzy bands, and then they joined them up with this really furious hardcore scene that was starting to kind of push its boundaries. And as a result, they have a hell of a lot of crossover appeal. I mean, they really are one of those weird bands where you can talk to people who seem like they listen to the National and they've got a soft spot for Converge. Got Jane Doe, the Jane Doe album cover tattooed on them or something usually. Like, 
But um, this record is also really interesting because for me it, it lands like squarely in the space of records which probably shouldn't even really exist because of all the different like influences that are at play on it. It could have, it could have been a total mess. Oh yeah, yeah. But it's yeah. just not You're right. It's a, it definitely seems like a gamble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. Like going through the, the the tracks, like track by track as well, you kind of you really start to see they took different chances on each song as well. It's like the yeah, this is pretty fearless, and I think it's no coincidence as a result of it being so fearless and taking so many risks that it was rewarded with such kind of kudos from. People generally, like you said. What's interesting though for me on that take is that quite often to like take a group of musicians like that and then like meld an album that's so diverse often takes like an outside influence, a producer of real, you know, I don't mm. know, stature yeah, or you know, with weird ideas. But with this it came from within, which I don't know, I find really interesting. It just it means that they they must work in a really sort of democratic way. They're very happy with, you know... I think, like... With Kurt taking the lead on production duties. Yeah, I think, like, I'd, I'm kind of... have a, a slight advantage here. Cause I had, like, we actually, like, in a previous group I played, and we recorded with Kurt. I know I know him reasonably well and got a chance to kind of spend some time with him and get to understand a wee bit about where the, the music from Converge came from. And it is really interesting because the guys in the band have really... I mean, it shouldn't be maybe a surprise because loads of people have diverse tastes, but, you know... Kurt's like a big Fugazi fan and he clearly has a much more open mind than perhaps their earlier work demonstrates, you know, and I think it those influences, those much more diverse influences started to manifest on this. And I think it's also a testament to how much this record changed all of their lives as well. Like they all they've all managed to, to forge careers either in music or, you know, yeah. around music. Just by dint of releasing this record and touring the fuck out of it, do you well, know what I mean? Well, Kurt being so involved in the production in this record was bound to reap rewards for him because this album's production is unbelievable. Mm. I mean, that's the consistent theme, reading about it, doing a little research on it. You just, people just lauding it for its like the bravery and the tones and the style of the recording and the, the ambition of some of the, uh, some of the techniques. You know, it's, it's a really, it's, it's a pretty sonically incredible record. So, he was bound to benefit from it. And I think obviously Jacob doing the artwork and being so invested in the, the lyricism of it, you know, I, I I personally actually have some hang-ups with Converge's lyricism sometimes. I find it a little bit OTT. Um, I love his artwork. His stuff's amazing. And he has consistently remained uh, the, the inverted commas, face of that band and more than just his own face and tattoos, but in his style of art. And that's actually really nice. There's a level of consistency to the band as well that makes people, you know, you don't have different graphic designers being hired by a label to come up with something. It's, it's this is the guy, he does it. And it always has this, even if they're quite different, you know. I actually, I think that the the artwork on this album is is really important. It's iconic, the al- it's, artwork. It is album, iconic. Yeah. It's an iconic artwork. And even like the feel of the album and the, you know, the, the inner sleeve and stuff like that, mm-hmm. it all works. But then, you know, you've got that character of Jane Doe, which I just, I think, can has sort of come to define the band. You know, it's their sort of, yeah, it's their logo mm-hmm. very much. You know, and it's important as Jane Doe and that, you know, mysterious character throughout the album is important lyrically. I think, yeah, it's 
that defining image of you know Jane Doe is. I don't know. I always I always go back and I think aesthetically, album like the aesthetics of an album are important. One of the really refreshing things about Jane Doe is it's not gratuitously grotesque and it's not overwhelmingly black and it's not overstated. It's it's there's air in the music. There's there's gaps in space in the music and there's gaps in space in the artwork and there's a it's not trying too hard. There's something really nicely subtle yet very very identifiably distinct about it and I really personally as well I've always warmed to those metal bands that didn't overplay it that didn't just drench everything in black that didn't just you know they they embraced you know the spaces and the stuff I think the bands like Botch and stuff like that that were very intense and could just have had these morbid black bloodied album covers but chose not to and chose to kind of subvert the aesthetic of it as well. The stars kind of aligned in this album. There's a lot of different things that it was doing, other than just musically. Mm-hmm. There, were, there were a lot of different things about its approach, about the look of the band, about the, the style of the band, the fact they came from a genuine hardcore background, the fact that they played gigs in social clubs, you know, the kind of shows that you used to see videos of Fagazi doing, you know, like kids hurtling over the bands you saw Converge doing, you know, I think there's there's a lot of different aspects to this band that uh, gave them a legitimacy and then it was the perfect time to strike with a, like a really strong album. And Jane Doe's, I think Fugazi is a good reference point because I think Jane Doe is, is our generation's Fugazi moment mm-hmm. for hardcore music, you know. Yeah, for, for hardcore yeah, stuff, yeah, definitely. Is that important? I mean, when, when we recorded with Kurt, I would say at least half the days he was sitting with a vintage Fugazi shirt on, which one, I can only assume was bootlegged because of <laughs> Fugazi's <laughs> disdain for merchandise. But, you know, the that... That aesthetic, Discord, the, the the Washington scene, that stuff, that that definitely runs through the Converge record. Like I say, there's such a different feel to some of the tracks that it's it's kind of interesting to see the directions that they pushed in, and how when you stood back from it, it had this beautifully diverse palette. But when you get closer into the songs, you see the individual songs kind of going in specific directions and 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 you know achieving things. I think like, I mean, my there's no point going sequential I think that's all about trade but I think the one that really stood out for me is Homewrecker I've always loved Homewrecker I think Homewrecker is probably still my all time favourite heavy track probably Thaw for me on that record is my favourite because it just sounds like it's just comes out of nowhere after Phoenix, is it Phoenix of Flames before yeah. it, and it just—I mean, those two tracks, Phoenix and Flames, Phoenix of Flames, are like pure noise anyway. But this is just like something else. And that riff at the end. Can you imagine? Is. Yeah, can you imagine if you are, you know, a kid listening to like Madball and sick of it all, and you know, Hatebreed or whatever, and then suddenly you're hearing Thaw, and like on on a band that is on like similar festivals, you know, it's kind of touring on the same circuit, like what the. F- fuck is this music mm. like where is the the beat down where is you know this this is like really innovative writing yeah and I mean, i'm sure there were other bands doing it at the time but this is a band that really brought it together in a really beautiful form and i just listening to thaw and trying to kind of like imagine that in the context of the hardcore scene at the time it's so different like it's so unexpected as a piece of music Talk about concubine as well because the lyrics that are written down are not the lyrics that are in the song. Is that yeah, right? That's right. Yeah. All he says in the all he says yeah. in the actual song is they uh, used to gold, asty gold, but he's written all these lyrics which are in the booklet and all that. And he doesn't sing any of them. 
even the way that opens the record is just like getting smashed in the face with a bottle. Well, I just the first two tracks, Concubine and Fault and Fracture. I I can't think of another album that is as forceful in an opening that's just like hey like I think what they're doing is they're like because like Jane Doe the track at the end is what it's maybe my favourite track in the album just because I fucking love post metal and sludge and like it's just so epic and builds so you know they're going to do that they're going to do something that the hardcore kids haven't heard but they're going to come in with just fuck you we can fucking destroy, you know, more than anybody else in the scene and then we're going to do shit that you've not heard before. It's such a, it's such an, off-kilter introduction as well it's such an unsettling you know there's no counting yeah. there's no it's just this fuck it where the fuck did, how, yeah. how, where, did, where did I start where did I latch on like where's the four and it's you know? yeah, yeah it's so ridiculously heavy but then it's also it's mathy as well and it's like it's off-putting yeah. and it's like it's like it's like kind of like getting it's got that kind of like cause, because of the way it escalates as well whereas then it's like getting chased down a corridor by some kind of creature with different length <laughs> limbs. Like, the limbs are all different lengths, so it can't run at any kind of set pace, but it's still catching you. See, <laughs> it's always, so irregular. It's brilliant writing. I always find that when I listen to this record, it feels like it's like the inside of like one guy's mind just melting. <laughs> you know, like that's the process you've been taking on, or I guess in this case, it's probably one woman's mind, mind melting, given the, the, title of the, tra- the title of the album. But everything about it is just... Like even even what you're saying, we've had but like the, the way it starts. It's like by the way, it's like them saying, by the way, we can be the heaviest band in the world. Yeah, and we're going to take you on this journey where you'll probably think we are the heaviest band in the world, and then I mean, it's like starting a really long, really angry conversation just by grabbing someone by the neck and shaking them. You know, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it is literally <laughs> right. We're going to talk. <laughs> you know, I, I think you mentioned Jane Doe as well. I think Jane Doe as a title track is a really pretty astonishing bit of music as well in the context of the album apart from the fact that it balances it and I know in some of the later albums they, they did similar things where they kind of went into the more post-rock kind of epic doomy kind of old man gloom type vibes maybe not as heavy as that but you know but um, one of the things I thought um, was really interesting about Jane Doe is that I mentioned them earlier on I th- it was really reminiscent of We Are The Romans like the track by Botch mm-hmm. from We Are The Romans that kind of like Gregorian chant uh, kind of like huge, spacious, ominous, kind of quasi futuristic but medieval. It's just got a lot of different creepy elements to it, and I think it's like a it's it's maybe actually something that gets overlooked because there's there's flashier moments in the record, but it's a really great bit of music, and it's also very Boston at that time when you consider mm-hmm. bands like ISIS and stuff. You know, see the see the bass and help the pay. I was, I was, you know, I was talking to somebody about this the other day because I was just having a conversation about the greatest bass tones of all time. That is, that's top there, man. Yeah, that I was like, "Hell to pay by Converge, yeah. Blindness by The Fall, and maybe Monkey Trick by Jesus Lizard." Like, they're just absolutely stunning bass bass tones. They're just like, I think the bass gets forgotten quite a lot. Um, yeah, but, but like all, f- well, say f- all five of them, all five of them. But I mean, all four of Current Converge are on the fucking absolute yeah. form of their lives. Yeah. And this this was but they're all incredible. And this was Nate's first album though, yeah. so it's like way to, way to make a 
an arrival. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's like you know, Nate is here and he's now getting into the, the situation where the bass is the standout instrument in a couple of these tracks, or at least, you know, for moments of these tracks. And that, again, it adds so much balance. Cause it's a very spacious song, that song. So much of that kind of music is very frantic and unrelenting. And, you know, it's exhausting after a while to listen yeah. to some of that stuff. But that song and the songs like it and Phoenix and Flames, they add a, a change of pace and a roominess, like just space between the notes, you know, and just time to bob your head. That is just very refreshing. It's like, yeah, we spoke about it at length already, uh, but I think when a lot of people think of this record, and it, it does come back to what you're saying there, Chris, is like I think, particularly when whenever I listen to this song, the first thing that struck me is like I think a lot of people actually forget about the different textures that are on this record. Like mm-hmm. when you think about it, they just think about how it's like getting kicked in the nuts, yeah. over and over and over again. But it's it's so much more than that. It's getting to kicking and that's with various different types of felt shoes from different angles. <laughs> from different <laughs> angles. <laughs> I think um like uh, you're talking about riffs as well. There's a riff in Heaven in Her Arms uh, that is just a, a monster, an absolute monster of a riff. And I think one that stands out to me as well is uh, that's a broken vow. Mm-hmm. And broken broken vow, I think, makes some really nice nods to their traddy kind of hardcore roots. You know, it's like I think it's sort of like minor threat, but like covered by a black metal band. You know, it's 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 got that classic kind of structure, classic sort of approach, but it's just this caustic, visceral kind of like trebly aggressive snarling quality to it and it, uh, such a modernised version of an of, of a, an old standard that I think it probably epitomises a lot what the, the band would try to achieve overall I agree yeah you can to say uh, no no I agree it's just I, it's funny I'm just thinking first time I ever heard this album I fucking hated it same because I was 15 and I'd been listening to Corn. <laughs> and Idlewild <laughs> Like you don't listen and, to Corn now <laughs> And the Chemical Brothers You know I had the And I just started reading Kerrang And I just started getting into stuff uh, like, We were the same guy We were yeah. the same guy <laughs> And then You know And then all of a sudden I see Oh this band converged I was never into hardcore I was always a metal kid And I You know I read The reviews of Jane Doe And I was like Oh I'm gonna have to get this When I go down to HMV Bought it And then Put it on And it was just so abrasive and uh, the vocals for me just I couldn't get the first time I listened maybe the second time I just didn't understand I was mm. like it's just absolute noise I have to say like two two analogous things one would be Jesus Lizard for me the first time I heard them I was like what the fuck is oh, this really? I actually took I had a limited edition Jesus Lizard vinyl that I don't know how I managed to get lucky enough to buy and I hated it so much I took it back and it turns out it's worth quite a bit of money <laughs> and I took it back Raging. because I was trying to make a point of how much I disapproved yeah. and the, the the other example would be and I think it's probably more relevant is the first time I read American Psycho and the first time I read American Psycho I was genuinely appalled by it like this is really? this is inexcusable this this shouldn't be allowed you know this is like so challenging on so many levels and I just am really perturbed by this and it, was, it wasn't until revisiting it a year and a half two years later that I realized what an absolute masterpiece it was but yeah. you know the the shock about the shock factor the getting jolted out of your comfort zone by this album I, I can relate to that definitely. Well, American Psycho you're not supposed to enjoy it though I think you're supposed to enjoy this record right 
Yeah, I mean, I enjoy it now. Yeah, I mean, I didn't like Converse at all. For like, I'm actually a really, really recent Converse fan. Like, it took like, it took me a long, long time to actually get to like them, and it's only been in the past couple of years where I've been like, holy fuck, this. Why have I never? Yeah, have you to this have you seen before? them? Never seen. I've never seen live before. Wow, oh. you're 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 missing it. Yeah. I I yeah. there there's two albums that kind of at the same time came out and. Took, both took me a while to get into. Maybe it was, and it was just because there was so much to them. It was this and relationship with command, mm-hmm. um, because you know that was my first experience of at the drive-in, my first experience of converge, and both are really zeitgeisty though. Yeah, like, both know. very zeitgeisty, but I think they both once I persevered with them, you know, after a few days, weeks, introduced me to like a whole new aspect of what music was and you know depths that you could go into. Yeah. Um. But it's just funny, it's, yeah, you were just talking about that and I was just zoning out, just thinking, fucking hated this album when I first heard it. And now I, mean, I absolutely fucking adore it. Yeah, it's, it, as I say, I think some of the best things in my life, you know, I've hated when I... Yeah, when that's I, it. Like, yeah. Man, I used to hate mushrooms. <laughs> I used to hate olives. <laughs> yeah. I used to hate red wine. <laughs> um, I, so you've never seen them live. No. Um, they're, they're a pretty amazing proposition mm. live. Really, really good. I mean, I've seen them in a few places. I, to be honest, being a resident of Glasgow... We rarely get to see them in a in a good surrounding. Mm. They seem to keep getting booked up here in weird venues, really poor mm. choices of venues, and the gigs are. Some I've seen them struggle against the venues a couple of times and still come out in pretty stellar form. But uh, having also seen them elsewhere, I've seen them in some pretty sparkling form. I remember seeing Converge, and I think anybody that was at the Converge show where they played upstairs at the Barfly, and the Barfly was still open opposite the the Clyde. It must have been chaos. It was absolute pandemonium. It was it was genuinely one of the best shows I've ever seen in my entire life. The Exploited were playing downstairs the same night and they'd sold out downstairs and so they'd still gone ahead with the Converge booking and put it upstairs. So they were just playing in this area that was reserved for seating. Yeah. And there were people standing on the bar and like... We, we had the big A0 Jane Doe poster from that gig in our flat for like two years oh, I tell you that, that would have fetched a, a penny Seriously. yeah I know I think my pal still has it yeah and th- that gig was unreal like mm. just just unreal like we, we were lucky enough because you know we kind of met him and worked with him at that point and spoke to him so we got to stand off the side of the stage it really didn't matter mm. there was people just climbing the walls in, in, in that room it was astonishing to put it into context the bar fly is literally the upstairs in the bar fly was literally just a bar with some seats yeah, it was not a big space or a space even made for bands. Oh, it was totally makeshift. Yeah. They, they set yeah, up their backline on a sixty per- people in there mm. at most. Oh, but they had, they had, but there was about one hundred and fifty people. There. <laughs> minimum, minimum. There was yeah. there was a lot. I mean, there were people standing in and on the DJ booth trying to see it. Um, I mean, that was a that was a spectacular concert. Really, really good. Unfortunately, some of the shows up here since have not been as good, and that's not the fault of the band. Um, but they are amazing. Live. I need to see them live. I really, really, really good. Yeah. So, so yeah. So tell tell us why this isn't. This no, because be he's gonna he's gonna start shitting on it in no, relation to other albums. Isn't yeah. It? All we've done is talk about how amazing this is. So why should it not be a classic album? Mm. Okay. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna. I'm gonna bite my tongue. <laughs> Talking about this record has made me realise how much I love it. <laughs> And I actually think it. You're like Donald Trump going to China. I can pretty much talk you into anything. If I actually, like, the thing is, it was always going to be a close call, right? For me, Axe to Fall is better from a songwriting point There's of no view. There's no song in Axe to Fall better than Home Record. Home Record is the ultimate I've just been dumped music. Like, see, they're just sorry, but 
you get your moment. <laughs> <laughs> Homewrecker. I, I remember um, me, my, my, my flatmate, Matt, when he broke up with his, his girlfriend, he was pretty sore about it, as you are when that happens to you. And we, uh, we, we jumped in his old Ford Fiesta and we drove through it. I think it was the Mission in Edinburgh, which was like the pure, you know, goth club at the time. And I remember specifically playing Homewrecker three or four times so loud that we blew out one of the speakers in the door of his car and just like absolutely rampaging along the uh, along the motorway to this tune because it is so propulsive, mm-hmm. just so furious. Holy, yeah. And I don't feel they've ever reached... It, it, they have had some other fantastic bits of music, but I absolutely adore the sheer, simple-minded, nihilistic carnage of that song. And by the way as well, see when I saw them playing, talking about playing live... Homewrecker is partly uh, distinguished by these brilliant little drum breaks mm. in it, you know, just yeah, totally, yeah. during the chorus, little drum flurries. The second time I saw them play live, I mean, I can only imagine it's a bit like playing Smells Like Teen Spirit, but like Ben deliberately, when it came to the drum flurry, would, instead of doing these incredibly intricate, brrrr, uh-huh. we'd actually go, duh, duh, duh. <laughs> and then the band would kick back in yeah. just absolutely on the button and it was so sarcastic it's like obviously self-referential and he's kind of like a bit kind of you know being a bit cheeky but it's just so ballsy and funny but yeah sorry I, I just I don't feel I give that song props enough before we start shifting on the Axe to Fall which is great and uh, by the way Axe to Fall you're not even talking about You Fail Me that's good when Eagles become vultures which is there's like there's a case for me for all our albums, but man. that's better. Eagles become vultures is better than any song in Axe to Fall. I don't know, man. I, I mean, Dark Horse is a fucking tune and a half. Yeah, like, it's great, but it's you know the bass tone that that, that fucking HM two tapping is just weird. It's fucking great. There's a lot of good songs in Axe to Fall, but this conversation has made me reconsider my position. And well, no, coming in, what about No Heroes as well? The actual I track, love no, no Heroes, Heroes is good. It's probably it's, their most punk record, I think. But it's so sludgy as well. Some of it is just like. And I think aesthetically on that, I think the the um, the artwork on that works. Which one? On No Heroes. No Heroes. Because it isn't anything in particular. You yeah, know, it's, it's like just, a lot it's, less it's a iconic. Yeah, but so's the music. You know, and yeah, you've got it, it, your. It's maintained that same aesthetic that Bannon had with the, the style. Yeah. yeah. Um, but funnily enough, before coming in here, uh, to me, you feel me is my favorite record. Yeah, because. You feel me, by the way, it's got a couple of things about it that I think are kind of off-putting. Over here, fucking digipack, shiny digipacks, man. <laughs> it's just like shiny digipacks are just the fucking roadrunner patter, you know, like Sepultura reissues and yeah. stuff. You know, I, I hated that shiny digipack shit. But You Feel Me was also mastered a fair bit quieter than the other albums. So it's like, sweet, if you put on a Converge compilation or shuffle, the You Feel Me tracks tend to kick in just a little bit quieter than certainly like No Heroes and stuff, which are really full on but it's that is an amazing record the way it starts as well is so beautiful you know it's such a yep. that's another brilliant bit of like let's start in a way that's not what people expect but this time we're going the other direction and yeah I mean I, I, sorry I'm, I'm I'm being facetious I know Axe to Fall is amazing amazing They're, they've got so many good albums especially in their later career mm. Um, all of them could be contenders but None Jane, of them are as important as Jane yeah. Doe. That's what I was going to say. Jane Doe is the most important because it didn't it didn't just change their fortunes like as a band as human beings, but it also changed not just the scene either, but like music, <laughs> basically. One of the things I wrote down is like so many like when I was listening to it and I, I underlined it in this notebook is so many bands do all of this now. Mm. Everything on that record, everything on Jane Doe, but all the bands that do hardcore of any kind do it now. Something on it, and they just do you know, and it's just. Yeah, yeah that's it allowed it, it allowed you know? a very sort of um, 
sort of stymied genre to become progressive. Absolutely, yeah, yeah definitely, definitely kicked out a lot of windows. And, yeah, they're like, you know, oh, you don't have to sound like sick of it all. You can sound like anything the fuck you want. Yeah, I, I think that I'm probably I'm, I'm I don't want to fall into the trap though of us putting all of this at the door of Converge because there were bands before Converge that were up to some pretty incredible stuff. No question, you know, yeah. There's like the, there, were, there were bands, even bands like on much smaller levels of seeing the European scene had bands like Song of Zarathustra and there were bands like Drowning Man and there were bands like, uh, like I said, Botch. Botch did a lot of that stuff mm-hmm. with uh, We Are The Romans uh, especially. Like that's, that's I, I would personally love to cover that in a later show. I think that that is an album that... Uh, two, three years before Jane Doe, I think that came out, and that did a lot of the groundwork for Jane Doe, you know. Hmm. Um, and I, I think a lot of the stuff that we are praising them for, they were, to some extent, standing on the shoulders of giants in, 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 in so much as they hadn't completely uh, spawned this breaking of the rules, but they were taking this breaking of the rules to its most, mm-hmm. you know, to its most established point. Yeah. They they took it and they said, let's let's really weaponize this and make it something that we can use. Whereas the other bands had kind of been. I mean, every it. band sort of tries to refine and define their influences. Mm-hmm. Just what they did was they did it really, really, really fucking well. So there's panels decided then. Uh, it's, it's, it it seems pretty unanimous. Yep, this yeah, record so. this record is a fucking classic, really <laughs> stone cold is. classic. Does mm-hmm. it have to be in the photography? It might not be your favorite Converge record. Anybody that's listening, you might have another favourite one, but so if there's boring. any doubt that this is the classic conversion. This record. is the Converge records. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's even changed. You guys have even changed my mind. I think this is in the bag. What are we doing next week? Next week, <laughs> I guess we're doing Foo Fighters. Fight the Foo Fighters. Jesus. <laughs> a different album. It's a mm. very different album. Um, and Sharpening my teeth already. It'll be, it'll be an interesting choice, Chris. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is my choice. That's right. I don't know, I'm feigning surprise. Um, it's just maybe that I slightly regret it. But then again, I don't. We'll get to that. But go on the Facebook page, vote for this record. Tell us if we're right. Tell us if we're wrong. Nah, vote, vote for it if you vote want for to it. vote for it. We're not. We're not trying to steer your vote. We are. You know, we definitely are. <laughs> the internet is not about trying to steer people's votes, and social media, especially, right is not ears. about trying to decide who you vote for. <laughs> If you don't think this album is classic, then you are clearly wrong. <laughs> yeah, if you don't, I mean, you, can, you might as well unsubscribe from the page. Yeah, just, just, just unlike it, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.